0: How many of you guys have been able to make it for some of Ted's Plan series this month? Awesome. And how many of y'all enjoyed uh, Pastor Robert Madu last week? And Dr. Dave Martin. Those guys were so great. We're so thankful that they came. We are concluding the Ted's Plan series this morning. We've been talking about this guy named Ted who struggles with consistency, who has struggled in the past with commitment or just focus. And this year, Ted is gonna have a great year. In fact, Uh, a lady, a member of this church, she came to me, she said, Paul, I had a revelation. I said, what's your revelation? She said, Ted's going to have a good year, isn't he? I said, yes, that's a good revelation. But here's the point of Ted's plan, is that Ted's plan won't work unless he's what, church? Unless he is planted, and not just planted anywhere, doing anything, whatever he wants to do, but planted in God's house. The first week we talked about the importance of of being planted in the house of God. Eric said it earlier during offering that when you're planted in God's house, you're going to flourish. Everybody say flourish in 15. Come on, we want to flourish this year in who we are, what God's called us to do. And and in order to do that, we need to be planted in God's house. The next week we talked about being planted in the love of God. That when we're planted in God's love, Ephesians 3 says, we're going to produce fruit that looks like Him. You can't love people and love God back unless you have the love of God inside you. So this year, we want to be planted in God's house. Planted in the Word of God. This is where the direction comes, the wisdom, our encouragement, the change, the transformation. And then planted in the love of God. Not just how well you can perform, but how good God is. You know, when I look at this cross, which how many of y'all love this cross in here? I love it. When I look at it, it's not a symbol of defeat. It's a symbol of victory, of God's love defeating what the enemy meant for us, which was death, hell, and the grave. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is a good sign for you that He has won the victory for you. He's not still hanging on the cross. He purchased your sin. You can have a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. And when we get planted in that, in that love of God, we're sure to have a great year. And today, I believe this message is going to wrap it all up. It's a powerful message on purpose. So if you have a Bible or you don't have a Bible, stand to your feet all over this room. And if you, if you don't have a Bible, at the end of service, we'd love to bless you with the Bible. And the only way we're able to do that is because of people who give and support victory, that we're able to purchase Bibles and give them to new believers, people who don't uh, know God or haven't had a Bible. We want to bless you with one at the end of service. So thank you, church, for letting us do that. I have the opportunity to do that right here down at the altar. But if you do have a Bible, turn to Luke 2, verse 49. You can do it on your phone. And we get loud when we open up the Word of God. Come on, we get louder than a Super Bowl day. And when you get to Luke 2, 49, shout the team you're going for tonight. Hey, the Cowboys didn't make it. Somebody shouted Cowboys. Hey, now I'm excited about Seahawks, and here's why. I mean, I like the Patriots too, but you know the quarterback of the Seahawks. He's a born again believer, Russell Wilson. I like that that story, Luke two forty nine, and I love this story because Jesus has gotten caught by his parents. He decided to stay at the temple, and he was going to study and preach and meditate on God's word. And um, they went looking for him. He was away from them for a couple days. Which, by the way, I tried this one time. It didn't work. My parents were like, Paul. Why did you run away from us? I said, I must be about my father's business. And they said, no, only Jesus can do that. You can't do that. But I love this scripture, what Jesus says, Luke 2, 49. They said, Jesus, why did you run away from us? And he said, listen, don't you know that I must be? Everybody say, I must be. be. He said, I must be about my father's business. Jesus lived with a purpose-driven life. If we're going to have a successful year this year, we've got to be purpose-driven. Driven, Planted in purpose. Everyone say, planted in purpose. planted in purpose. All right, we're going to say a victory confession together. And if you're new to victory, we welcome you to say this with us. We're going to put it on the screen. We'll say it on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Do you believe it, church? All right, give someone a high five. Say, get planted, get planted. Thank you, guys. Hey, by the way, tonight my mom has a Super Bowl message for you at 6 p.m. She is whistling right here, and uh, It's going to be a great word right here at 6 p.m. She's going to give also an update on Christians United for Israel, which she represents here in Oklahoma. And uh, it's going to be a powerful message and flowing in the Holy Spirit. Don't forget the youth group has a great party for all the teenagers tonight. And it's going to be a fun time, a football tournament over at 24-7. Okay. Everybody say, planted in purpose. I don't know about you, but... When I was, like a long, long time ago, when I was a wee little boy, a young man, y'all are like, wait, you still are a young man. But when I was younger than this, I I struggled with consistency. I was very spontaneous. I I thrived in randomness. When people would tell me, Paul, you're so random, I took it as a compliment. I thought it was cool to be random, to uh, sort of, you know, be unpredictable on what I was going to do or unpredictable on what I was going to say. In fact, we had a youth costume party uh, when I was a teenager. And this is bad because I was like 18, still really in, in, in love with random, in love with unpredictability. But I went to this youth costume party. Other people went as normal characters. They went, you know, as like a ninja or Batman or Superman or dressed up from the 70s or dressed up like they were from the 80s. I came in with like crazy, none of it matched, none of it made sense. I had a Daniel Boone hat on. I had Indian feathers out the back of my neck. I had a cowboy hat on top of the Daniel Boone hat. Then I had like a, a, a wife lover, not a wife beater, a cut off t-shirt. And it had a big R on it, which stood for random man. And I was like, who does this? But I did this. And I just thought it was so cool to like not make sense. People were like, you are so random. I was like, yes. And it was weird. And even when I was a kid, I used to dress super random. I have a picture of me and my brother, who's like my best friend, Brother John, who works behind stage. He does a great job here. But me and my brother and Daniel, we dressed up as random people. And we got that picture. We'll throw it up on the screen. But this picture kind of shows a little bit of my personality, our personality. We were just random. There it is right there. You got like army, camouflage, hat, headphones, John... I don't know what John's doing. We just all are random. And it was to the point where my parents had to have an intervention with me. They said, Paul, who told you that being random is cool? I was like, I don't know. I just knew. I just know it's cool. And they are like, being random and unpredictable and spontaneous, it might be fun, but it doesn't produce results in your life. They're like, you are an adult now. You are 18, and you are still dressing random and living random and I was like yeah I just don't want anyone to be able to predict what I'm going to do or say and they said but predictability uh, is a great thing to have in your life and I think predictability in our culture is sort of underrated right spontaneous random living that's sort of like overrated we think man that's really cool when it's not because how many of y'all know that if you were spontaneous about brushing your teeth, there would be a lot of people around you that would, that would be sort of frustrated with how bad your breath smells, right? If you were spontaneous about working out, you wouldn't see results happening in your muscles or in your body. If you were spontaneous about eating healthy, you wouldn't see results in having a good, healthy, balanced diet in your life. So here's the important thing that we're going to have to accomplish and get to this year is that... We have to be purpose if we want to see results. We have to live on purpose, be planted in purpose if we want to see results in our life. And so my parents said, Paul, we need to see you kind of get consistent in some areas. Be predictable in some areas. Have some routine in your life. And I think about how in all of our lives, if we want to see results, we have to be consistent. We have to be purpose-driven. How many of y'all read the book or heard about the book by Rick Warren, The Purpose-Driven Life? It was a great book. And it was all about how we can live a life of purpose that glorifies God. You know, think about this guy in the Bible, David. King David was a man who had it all. He had a great family. He lived in a palace. Everything was going good for David. He had a great reputation. But if there was one year that David regretted, it was in 2 Samuel 11. And it all started with this moment where David got outside his purpose. We can go there together. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. David was sort of kind of living randomly this year. He was sort of spontaneous. He was kind of riding off of last year's success. If you're going to have success this year, you're going to have to continue to have healthy habits and decisions this year, not just riding off what you did last year that was right. But David, he got into this moment where he just thought, you know, I think I'm going to stay back, even though I'm supposed to be somewhere doing something, I think I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to coast. And it says it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. If you have a pen, you should underline that verse right there. When kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab. He sent everybody else. But it says at the end of verse 1, but David remained. When I read that, I thought it was really interesting because what happens next in this chapter and the next chapter is that David falls into adultery with another man's wife. Then he becomes an accomplice in the murder of this wife's husband. Then he ends up losing his baby. He ends up losing influence with his other kids. And he ends up living with a year of regret on his hands. And it all started with verse 1 that David wasn't where he was supposed to be. David was outside of his purpose. This year, if we're going to have a successful year, we got to be planted in God's purpose for our lives. We can't just be random or aimless or wandering around with no target this year. God has a plan for your life. His plan for your life is for you to prosper, to have hope in a future. But we've got to figure out, how do we do that? How do I prosper? How do I live with purpose this year? What is God's plan? I'm glad you asked because it's all in here. This is where we get the plan, the purpose, the assignment that God has for us. And actually, God has a general purpose for all believers, Not just believers, God has a general purpose for all people. And that purpose is found in the Scriptures. Today I want to just take you through a few points that could make this year a great year for your life. Not just avoid temptation, not just avoid distractions, but actually maximize this year so that way you flourish. How many of y'all want to flourish in 2015? Okay, number one, this is what we need a purpose to do this year. We need a purpose to seek God. That was like a really big amen from the church. And it sounds simple and it sounds good, but how many of us are actually doing it? How many of us are actually seeking God? You know, as a kid, I used to really rely on my parents' relationship with God. I would rely on them to pray for me. I would rely on them to read the Bible to me. I would rely on them to feed me my spiritual meat and my spiritual nourishment. But the older I got, the more I realized I can't live off their relationship with God. And I can't live off of last year's manna. I've got to get manna for this year, for this week. And it's not someone else's job to make sure that I'm growing. It's my job to make sure I'm growing and seeking God first. For you this year to flourish, you can't just expect to spontaneously, randomly show up to church when you want to and have a great year with God. you got to be consistent. Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, God rewards those who diligently seek him. We like the reward. I'm like, yes, I want the reward. And then when we hear seek him, we're like, yeah, okay, I could seek him when I feel like it. But that one word right there, diligent, everybody say diligent. diligent. Hebrews 11 1, or Hebrews eleven six. sorry, Hebrews eleven six. It says that diligently they seek him, and that's who God rewards. Diligent means consistent, consistent, the same, the routine. You know, one of the best things we can do in seeking God is just reading our Bible. Read your Bible on a daily basis. Another way to seek God is pray, spending time in prayer. As a kid, I used to wake up in the morning, and I'd go into the living room, and I'd see mom and dad just praying. At 6 a.m., 7 a.m., they'd be praying. They'd have their Bibles open on their lap. And they would be reading the Word and speaking the Word over our family, over their kids. And I grew up in that house, that kind of culture where I learned what it means to seek God. Sometimes we complicate what seeking God looks like. It's very simple. It's just getting in the Word, going to church. You know, I love coming to Victory. Every weekend, I love being around you. You guys are the cream of the crop. You guys are the best church in the world. This group of people is going to turn the world upside down. And you know why? Because when I'm with you, something stirs in my faith. You you guys, when we're around each other, it's like iron sharpening iron. There's prayer going on. There's worship going on. There's this environment of faith. I saw this picture a few weeks ago. And this picture just like, it just totally reminded me of why we go to church. And this, I want to put it up on the screen. It says surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. Come on. You need to get around some lions every week and roar! You need to surround yourself with some people that are passionate about Jesus. You might not be able to control your work environment, but you can control where you go to church every single week. Get in a place that's alive and that's sharpening you and stirring up your faith and causing you to rise up out of complacency and awake to your purpose. Surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. If you want to flourish this year, be around people that are going after God. Deny what your flesh wants and pursue what God wants for your life. You want to seek God? Go after purity, not pleasure. You want to seek God? Pray first. Don't wait till it's your last resort. Too many people, they get in a crisis and that's when they get on their knees. But if you want to flourish this year, the way to seek God is every day. God. I surrender this day to you before the day even begins. Lord, I surrender. Monday, God, I thank you, Jesus. You're just as good as you were on Sunday. Tuesday, God, I thank you. It's going to be a good day. Wednesday, one of the best places you can be is on your knees. The enemy can't touch someone who's planted in prayer. I can't do this on my own. Every week, I'm on my knees asking God, God, I need your help in our church. Lord, I need wisdom and direction for all the decisions that need to be made. See, what I'm doing is I'm planting myself in seeking the Lord. I am purposing my life to seek God. You can't just do it when you feel like it. You can't just do it randomly or spontaneously. It's got to be consistent. Consistency brings the breakthrough. Everybody say it with me. Consistency brings the breakthrough. Say it again. Consistency brings the breakthrough. And it's here. That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, day after day, you have 333 days left in 2015. What if you chose to maximize the rest of this year by seeking God, listening to God, surrounding yourself with people that are going after God, getting in a connect group, volunteering in the church, Spending time reading the word, not just letting the pastor be the only one that reads the word to you, but that you read the word yourself. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible after service. I'm telling you, things can change in your life if you purpose to seek God. Number two, purpose to stay in love this year. Purpose to walk in love this year. Decide beforehand that I'm not going to get in a place of bitterness in 2015. I'm not going to develop a grudge or a chip on my shoulder towards people this year. I'm choosing to stay in love. I'm choosing to take the higher road. I'm not going to stoop down to how people treat me. They might mistreat me. They might be unloyal to me. They might stab me in the back. But I've decided as for me and my house, we're going to be rooted, grounded, and planted in the purpose to stay in love. If you want to have a year without regrets, purpose this year. You can't do. You can't control what people do to you, but you can control how you respond to them. I can't control how people may talk about me or what they may do to me, but I can decide that I'm going to stay in love. Because if I react, if I go eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, I'm going to end up with the end of this year just frustrated because I'm holding on to grudges and bitterness and I let my mouth get the best of me, I let my actions get the best of me. But if I will decide this year... My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My mouth belongs to God. Lord, help me not to say anything that would be wrong. Lord, help me to have a 1 Corinthians 13 love walk this year. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Love is not jealous. Jesus said to his disciples, the world will know you by your love. In other words, love is not an option if you're a believer. So don't just purpose to do it. Obey God's word. This year. Choose to live with love. Be rooted and grounded in the love of God. You know, I've done this before, but I want to just show you this. If you try to love people on your own, you're always going to feel empty and people are always going to feel the emptiness of your love. But if you will receive the love that God gives on a daily basis and be rooted and grounded in His love, you will live in the overflow for people around you so that when you're receiving the love of God, you're not running dry, you're not feeling empty, but you're daily filling up with His love to love the people around you, you never run dry. When I remember that God loves me as I am, not the better me, not the more improved me, but right now God loves me, it helps me to love my wife more. It helps me to love my son more. But if I'm just trying to do this on my own, if I'm trying to produce my own love walk outside of God's love, I'm gonna get frustrated, impatient, angry. I'm, my, my fuse is gonna be shorter. But if I'm spending time with the son, I'm able to treat my son with the love of the son that I'm receiving on a daily basis for my son. Okay, come on now. This year, purpose to stay in love. One of the ways we can love is by being generous. I was telling Ashley that since we've been married, she's helped me be a better giver, a better tipper. I'm not saying that I wasn't a good tipper before, but since I've been married, I've been tipping uh, better when we go out to eat. And part of it is because when I was single, I kind of like, I determined my tip based on how well they performed. So if they did a good job, then I would maybe, I would say, okay, maybe they deserve 20%, right? But when I got married, Ashley said, Paul, if if God tipped us the way that we tip people, then don't you think that... Obviously we wouldn't even have salvation because we didn't deserve it. We didn't perform well enough to receive it. And yet God gave us because that's his character. And she challenged and said, Paul, our character should be generous because that's who we are. We are love creatures, and so we're gonna give generously. And so I started realizing that I start at 20% and then I continue to be generous to those people that I can't. And you guys are looking at me like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Any waiter in the house right now just said, thank you, Jesus. Any waitress is grateful for this right now. As Christians, we should be known by our generosity, not by our stinginess. If you go out to eat, don't just leave a track, leave a tip. Okay? They know who the church crowd is on Sundays. Anyone who's a waitress or a waiter knows what I'm talking about. And the love of God, it stirs us to be generous. You know, I think about even in church that when we give and it's an opportunity to give... God only asked for 10% of our income. That's the tithe. And some people think that's stingy of God. But what God's trying to show us is, number one, he lets us keep the other 90% that he hooked us up with in the first place. Number two, the 10% he asked for is only to open our world to be larger and larger because Proverbs 11, 24 says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The more that we open our lives to love through generosity, the more God's able to bless us with what he's called us to do. Number three, we need to be purposed this year to focus on our assignment. Purpose this year to focus on your assignment. All of us have a general assignment and a specific assignment. Where's the students at? If you're a student, would you just wave your hand in college or high school or Bible college? Awesome. Part of your assignment as a student, yeah, let's give all the students a big hand. I love it. Part of your assignment as a student is to study. Like all the adults go, "Mm mm-hmm, the students just got quiet. (laughs) Part of your assignment as a student is to show up to class and not have someone else sign you in. Ooh, it just got quiet in this charismatic church. Part of your assignment as a student is to prepare for that test and not just rely and wing it on the day of the the test and ask the Holy Spirit to give you all the answers, you've got to study to show thyself approved for those tests. If you're a parent and your kids are at home, part of your assignment is to spend time with your kids, to be there for your kids. You, You do your best. You may not be able to be perfect, but do your best. If you're married, part of your assignment is to work and strengthen the foundation of your marriage. You know, every day, me and Ashley have purpose that we're going to say we love each other in the morning and at night. Before I leave the house, I kiss her on the lips. What am I doing? I'm strengthening my... What if I lived spontaneous with telling my wife I love her? What if I lived random with taking her out on a date? What, we might do it this year. I just don't want to be predictable. <laughs> I, might, I might tell you I love you this year, but, you know, I want to be spontaneous about when I say it. So don't count on it every year. But see, there's power in consistency. If you want to see a change in your marriage, start consistently pouring into your marriage. If you want to see a change in your family, start consistently spending time with your children. If you want to see a change in your spiritual life, start consistently praying, reading the Word, going to church, not just when you feel like it or spontaneously, but consistently. Everybody say, consistency Consistency." brings the breakthrough. What's your assignment? What's your specific assignment for me? One of my assignments is every week to pray, prepare, and study for the word of God. To get on my face before God and say, God, what's your word for our church? What's the word every week? I've got to guard that time. Your assignment's going to require focus if you want to see results this year. You can't do everything and be everything for everybody. There's sometimes days where I have to say no to, to good things so I can say yes to the God thing. You've got to know what's the difference between a good assignment and a God assignment. And you gotta be able to say no to the good so you can say yes to the God. You know, there's a lot of people who want at times, and I'm not saying every day, I'm not trying to pump myself up, but there's days where there will be multiple people that wanna meet with Pastor Paul. Hey, can, we, can I get a meeting? Can I get like a, maybe just a three hour meeting with you? You know, can I get like maybe just a six hour counseling session with you? Or can I, can I you know, and I love people. I, I love people. But if I try to do everything for everybody, I sacrificed the God assignment that's on my life for that week. And, And I'm telling you, as Christians, sometimes we get in this mode where it's like, well, you can't say no. But in order for you to do the God thing, you have to say no sometimes to things you even love, people you love. Like if you want to have a healthy marriage, you might have to say no at times to all your buddies that are wanting you to come and hang out with them. So that way you can focus on building that marriage. For the athletes in the room that are preparing to be a better athlete this year. You know, Colossians 3, verse 23, and Ben, I want you to come up as I get ready to close. Colossians three twenty three says, work as if you're working unto the Lord. In other words, do something with excellence. Don't just give half your heart to it. Athletes, it requires practice to become a better athlete. You know, I, I was uh, hearing this, this story about Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. and And... They told Russell, they said, Russell, you're going to be like a mid-range player. This was several years ago, it his, before he was going into the NFL. They were like, you'll, you'll probably be like in the middle of the draft and even going into the NFL. You're not going to be like a, a top quarterback player. You're going to be like a mid-range, you know, uh, not, that, not that big of a deal in the NFL. You know what Russell Wilson did? He got focused on his assignment. He decided, you know what, I'm going to tune out the haters, I'm gonna tune out those those negative naysayers in my life. Sometimes you gotta put the headphones on. Come on, somebody. You don't seem to understand something. Come on, hold up one second. Sometimes you got to forget what everyone else is saying. Well, you're too young to preach. You're too young to be the pastor. You're you're not good enough. You'll never go as far as they did. You'll never be as. Sometimes you just got to do this. Come on. You got to tune out the haters and the negative naysayers who don't wanna see you go anywhere, who don't wanna see you go far, who don't wanna see you succeed, and day after day, you put the headphones on. Come on now. Hold up. Y'all get me too excited up here. I have too much fun doing what God's called me to do. But here's the point. Have there been people that have told Russell Wilson he's not gonna go that far? Yes. But what did he do? He put the headphones on and he listened not to the voice of the accuser, but the voice of the beloved that said, Russell, you are valuable. I have a plan for your life. Get planted in your purpose. Work hard, focus, and you can rise above and overcome the stereotypes and the words that people have said over your life. But you've got to learn to tune out the accuser and tune in to the beloved. Today, Russell Wilson is stepping into being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It's his second time to go into the Super Bowl. What did he do? He tuned out the people who said, you can't do that. You'll never be that good. And he started focusing on his assignment. Man, I get excited about the future of my assignment. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I am headed towards my destiny. You can stick around and watch the ride, but I'm telling you, we are moving forward. I want to be around people that are moving forward. Not people who are still stuck on the past, still rehearsing their mistakes, listening to the accuser, listening to the lies of the enemy. But I want to be around... That's why I love coming to victory. We're the lions, right? Surround yourself with people on the same mission as you. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your destiny, your purpose, whispering lies. You'll never be that good. Don't even try. You're not that valuable. But when you put on those headphones, you start tuning in to the voice of the beloved. I have a purpose on my life. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My best days are not behind me. They're in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. That confession came from a place in my life when I was so discouraged. I was so distraught. I didn't know what my purpose was. I was driving up to the church. It was about two and a half years ago. We were going through a difficult time. And I I was just listening to the lies of the enemy. And I was rehearsing these lies, these accusations of the devil. And God said, Paul, are you going to live this year with a year of fear or a year of faith? And that's the fourth thing I want us to purpose to do this year is that we would purpose to stay in faith. Purpose to stay in faith this year. Purpose to stay in faith. And God, God told me to look up at the worship center. I looked up. And here's what faith does. Faith looks at the current and said, this ain't permanent. Faith doesn't let the current become permanent in its mind, its mouth, or its heart, or its actions. Faith determines that what I'm seeing in the natural is what's, this ain't going to be this way forever. We are moving forward. My health is getting better. I'm getting healed from this condition. I'm getting out of this wheelchair. I've got a destiny on my life. I'm getting out of this hospital room. I've got a destiny on my life. My kids are coming back to church. My marriage is turning around. I'm going to get a job. I won't be unemployed forever. I'm going to get a promotion. I will graduate college. I will get through school. I'm going to get out of this toxic environment. I'm going to, and that's what faith does it starts pulling you into a supernatural realm that you see beyond what's in the natural. And God told me to look at the worship center and start declaring where I'm headed, not where I'm at. That's what faith does. It doesn't let what's where you're at become the language in your mouth. You start talking about where you're going, not where you're at. And so I declared. I remember two and a half years ago, the confession came out of my spirit. I wrote it down in my car. I was just sitting in the parking lot crying because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know where I was headed. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor in two and a half years of this church. I had no clue. I wasn't sure about my assignment or the timing of my assignment. I had an inkling in my heart that one day I could be pastor, but I just didn't know if I had what it took, and I honestly didn't know if God was going to do that. And God said, start declaring by faith. And so I wrote down on my paper, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. And I started saying it every week. And when we say it, it's not just a routine thing for us to say on Sundays. Maybe it is for you, but for me, every time I say it, it reminds me that God's not finished with us yet. That our best days are right in front of us. That we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I've decided to plant my feet in hope and in faith and in the promises of God. David said, Acts 2.26, the message version, it was quoted that David pitched his tent in the land of hope. In other words, he decided, I'm going to camp out in a place of faith. I'm going to camp out in a place of hope. Even though I may see something in the natural, that looks discouraging. I'm going to camp out in a place of faith that things are turning Around Psalms 27, verse 13, he says, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will remain confident in this. In other words, I am planted in the purpose to stay in faith. If you're going to have a great 2015, you're going to have to choose this year to walk by faith and not by sight. 365 times in the Bible, it says, fear not, fear not, fear not. That's a fear not for every day of the year. You should wake up every day and say, I renounce fear and I embrace faith. I renounce fear and I embrace faith. Worry, get out of my life. Stress, anxiety, get out of my life. Panic, leave my mind. Faith, rise up in my spirit. Hope, rise up in my heart. Come out of my mouth. I declare that I'm headed towards my destiny. I'm walking in my healing. I'm declaring victory over my finances in Jesus' name. But all of us have a specific assignment this year, a purpose. God's not finished with you yet. You know, I think about as a kid, I used to watch Popeye. How many of y'all remember Popeye, the cartoon? Popeye the Sailor Man. It was a great cartoon. Some of y'all are like, this sounds really spiritual, whatever's going on here. There was a moment where Popeye would get frustrated with his arch enemy, Bluto. Bluto would be trying to stir up injustice, trouble. Trying to get Popeye anger. And Popeye would put up with it for a little bit. And then Popeye would get to this moment where he just... Uh, and he would say these words. That's all I can stands in. I can't stand no more. And he would take a can of spinach and he would down it. And all of a sudden supernatural strength would be imparted into Popeye. And he would go out and he would defeat his arch enemy. Come on somebody. When you get frustrated with something that's happening in this world or in your world... It's a clue to your assignment. You know, for me, I get frustrated seeing people miss out on God's purpose for their life. It's a clue to my assignment that I'm called to be a pastor. When you see situations that just bother you, somebody maybe getting uh, uh, talked into a bad deal, and you know in your heart, man, I could help them get a better deal. It's a clue to your assignment as a businessman. When you want to see people get jobs and you want to help people come out of unemployment and, and be able to turn the economy around, it's a clue to your assignment. You are called to be a businessman. My mom, she gets passionate when she sees things on the news going on about Israel. She, it's a clue to her assignment and our church's assignment to stand and pray for Israel. When you are stirred to your point where you say, I have to do something about this. Jesus said, I must Be about my father's business. It's a clue to your assignment. When you see kids growing up without a mentor, without a dad in their life, it's a clue that you're supposed to get involved mentoring and serving in the kids and in the youth ministry of this church. But all of us have a specific assignment. For the writers in this room, and you've been on writer's block and you haven't known what to do this year, God has an assignment for you to finish that book this year. He has called you to focus on your assignment. You might have to say no to some stuff. You might have to put the headphones on. Who's going to buy your book anyways? It doesn't matter who's going to buy it. You just be obedient that God told you to write it. He knows who needs to read it. You just obey in writing it. I want us to stand to our feet all over this room.